Welcome to The Journey is the Reward. I'm Brian Coleman, and we have a special episode. Not sure if we should call this one Bits and Pieces episode, or if we should call it Aisles and Windows, or Windows and Aisle. Micah, what do you think about the name of this show? I don't know. There was a Joni Mitchell album called Miles of Isles. I don't know. Hmm. Got to think about this one. Okay. But I think we should call it, hey, here's a filler. <laughs> yeah, because we have a filler of three separate recordings. Didn't know how to put them into a regular show. So I figured we'd just make a special show for these three interviews that we have. Can't keep our audience waiting. No. So the first one that we have is Ryan, who's the president, founder of a really cool application called Flighty. And we've been using that for a little bit. Next, we have a recording from Listener Matt in Singapore. And we're going to close out the show with a recording with Scott of Cheap Flights. And there might be some tips and tricks there for people to get inexpensive flights. I think people could definitely benefit from his service that he offers. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that. I actually recorded it a while ago. It's been on the website, but I figured people just don't go to the website. So I thought adding into a podcast would be a good thing. Not only don't people go to the website, I don't go there either. <laughs> Whatever. So we're going to start off with Ryan from Flighty, and this interview will also appear on the Airplane Geeks podcast. The other thing, for listeners that might not know, the Airplane Geeks is another aviation podcast where Micah and I first met. We're both contributors to that show. So oftentimes we mention it on the Journey is the Reward podcast, but Airplane Geeks is definitely near and dear to our hearts and something that we both actively participate in these days as well. They are part of our podcast family. They are. So let's go and we'll roll the tape with Ryan of Flady. So as most of you listeners know, I'm a regular listener to Leo Laporte. And a few weeks ago, he started talking about a great new app that I had never heard of before, and it's called Flighty. And so Brian and I got him together. Brian did his wonderful smooth talking that he usually does. And Brian, thank you so much for getting Ryan Jones to join us. Yeah, because I'm so good at finagling people on the show. So yeah, Ryan, welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Glad we made the connection and happy to be here. So Ryan, Flighty is a new app that when I looked at it, it seems like a combination of all the other apps that I'm using. It's designed for a flyer. What is Flighty and how did it come about? That's a big question, but let's do it. So I think you nailed part of it for sure, is that we combine all the different tools that aviation geeks or flyers or passengers use into one. And I'll automate a lot of the manual checking or piecing things together that you would do. And two big pieces of that are having really clean design. A lot of these tools are not the easiest in the world to use. And the other really big piece of that is automating things. So everybody knows how to go to one of the flight trackers and click, where's my plane? And then click, where's my plane? And then click, where's my plane? And figure out if it's going to be late. We do all that for you and tell you if it's going to be late with a push alert. So those are two of the things that take it way above and beyond kind of an all-in-one tool. And then how it came to be when the iPhone first started, it didn't have an app store, right? And then two years later, it did. And one of the very first oh my God, you can do this in your pocket apps it was called FlightTrack Pro. And it was just real-time flight status in your pocket. And if you remember back then, you know, you couldn't even really do that on the airline's own website. So it was like, you're getting, it was almost like the airport boards, the schedules and departures were in your pocket. And that was just like it, the logical leaps and the holy wow, magical moments were, were massive. I was a huge fan of that product. It was one of the original, this is a great product solving a real problem. And it had great user interface and awesome kind of fans. It ended up getting acquired by Expedia, who, as these things tend to go, didn't go as planned. And now it's five years ago, basically, it left the face of the earth. Yeah, I was going to say, you could go ahead and say they ruined it and therefore it died. Yeah. So actually, the interesting part about that, I have never seen this happen. They ruined it so bad. And the outrage was so bad that they brought it back for a year. They like unkilled it and released it <laughs> as its own separate app because people were so mad. And then they killed it again a year later. So it was like, here, you guys can have an extra year. So when that happened, I was working on a separate app at the time and was working at Apple at the time, actually. And I was like, oh man, I hope someone takes this thing and makes it even more modern. Because as great as it was, it was still from a different era. 
about three or four years into me waiting for someone else to do it, I was in the Florida Keys for New Year's Eve. And this was 2017, 2018. With my family, my grandma lives here in Austin with me. So we'd flown there together and she's 85. So the Florida Keys, anyone who's been there knows it's brutal for getting to the airport because there's one road to get to the airport. And if there's a traffic jam on that road, you're toast. So we started early in the morning for about a two o'clock flight. You know, we leave it, I guess it's not early in the morning, but 8 a.m. You never know what's going to happen. And we get the to the airport, we get to Fort Lauderdale, 10, check in this, do the rental car or whatever, 10.30. And the flight's at two, right? So we have way too much time, but that's what you do when you need some buffer. I know how to look these things up and I'm piecing it together that the plane is in Chicago and there's a massive snowstorm in Chicago because it's January 1st, but we're down in Fort Lauderdale thinking the things are just going to show up. And I knew we were hosed right away. And I just got so frustrated that this data was so readily available and I could have easily, I just didn't have the time to look it up that morning. And I didn't cross my mind because I'm in the Florida Keys. Like what are, I didn't just have the mental capacity of my plane is in Chicago. Sure. And it's sunny out. And why in the world would your plane be coming from Chicago? Because no one really understands how airline scheduling and aircraft utilization work. So it makes complete sense. Yeah. And I'm busy with trying to get my grandma to the airport, right? Like this, this is a thing. So we, of course, it didn't get delayed until one o'clock, right? It gets delayed and then it gets delayed again and again. And I can tell because I'm looking that it's not going to happen. So we literally set up camp at the Chili's airport and an hour into waiting for this, I was like, that's it. I've had enough. I'm going to build an app that solves this problem. And I literally tweeted, F this, who wants to build this thing with me? (laughs) And that's how it started. So how many responses did you get to the tweet? Yeah, there was about 40. So I literally just started putting people's names in a Google sheet, sitting in the Chili's airport with my grandma. You know, we were having a nice conversation and then I just buried into my laptop and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I think I'm starting a flight tracking company. I'm not quite sure. (laughs) So of the original five team members, four of us are still together, which is crazy. And we had never met before. The great thing that that did is it brought together people who immediately agreed that this was a problem that needed to be solved. So I didn't have any time to pitch anyone or try to convince great developers I knew. So it was an immediate net across the whole world of like, if you're great at this stuff and you agree this is a problem, let's work on it together. That's amazing. Now, this was, you started it, you said it was uh, New Year's Eve, 2017, 2018. When did it come out of beta and become available? So we were in beta for about seven months because you have to have people that are flying in order to test this. We can't get a report that, oh, it may not be great because I'm not on the airplane, but I'm tracking my mom's plane and she was on the plane and she said this. And it's like we had to do that. It took me a month to figure out, oh, duh, let's go get pilots and crew test this thing because they know for sure when this lands and when it takes off and they can tell us if it's on time. So we were in beta for about seven months. We launched in September of 2019 which if you're familiar with global events, it's not a great time to launch a flight tracking app. No, certainly not perfect. This is one of the things that was mentioned by Johnny when I heard about it, is that you actually beta tested this with pilots and flight attendants who are using this all the time. And that just fascinates me that you were able to get them to use it. And apparently it ended up working perfectly for it. And many of them still use it and recommend it to others. That's exactly right. Yeah, we have a large contingent of crew and pilots. They are some of our best users because, like you said, they know And they know how to report these things accurately, right? Like some people don't exactly know what's the difference between landing and arrival. Like it's not super obvious. So when someone says we landed this time or we arrived at this time and I see in their signature that they're crew, I know that they're telling the truth and that they're giving me a good report. So with the push notifications, what all else are you supporting? And what types of push notifications are you putting out there? Good question. So the super nerdy answer is we have 65 types. When it gets diverted, we have that custom push notification that says you were diverted from here to here. Your recovery flight is not listed yet. We'll notify you when it is. So it's broken down into that level of specificity is what I'm saying when I say there's 65. If we go kind of zoom out and go to what are the really kind of popular beloved notifications, the the number one thing that we hear constantly is that we're around 10 to 15 minutes faster than any other service, including the airline apps themselves and the airport apps themselves. Now, that's going to vary, but that's the number one thing that we hear, which Brian's laughing. It is crazy. No, that brings up just a huge point to me because one of my last flights, there was a delay and a gate change. And my United app said that there was a delay. The flight board did not show it. When I went to the counter at the lounge and asked them about it, they did not know about it. 
And I'm like, wait, how can the app know about this? But yet the airport itself doesn't. This is just a really confusing thing to me. And so, so Flady will take care of that and really give me the most accurate information before the airline even knows about it or all segments of the airline know about it. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy that it's possible and it doesn't make sense as you just think about it as a user, like how could that be? But infrastructure wise, like when you dig in and you figure out where the data is coming from and how it's flowing, it's, it's, it strangely makes sense. And I guess the two second, we can dig in if you're interested, but the two second version of that is airlines have a lot of things to keep track of and whether or not the plane is 10, 15, 20 minutes late, as important as it is to a passenger, it's not that critical to the airline. And they kind of hedge their bets a little bit in terms of telling everyone like, you know, if you're United telling everyone that it's 15 minutes late causes a certain chain reaction with your flyers, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to go get food or I'm not going to worry about getting there quite as much on time, or maybe it's going to get further delayed. So you kind of don't have the full incentives to tell people the 100% truth all the time versus flighties only care about passengers built for passengers. That's our number one goal. So being fast and accurate is foundational and critical to us. And this is a wonderful tool for many of the bargain hunters as well. There was a flight that was coming up during a blizzard that was going to be canceled. You didn't want to cancel before the airline canceled, because if you did, then you weren't going to get your refund. But now you'll know ahead of the airline to know to dial in and cancel things right away. So you can get your refund. It also allows you, it gives you that spur of the moment ability that when you know you're going to be delayed overnight to get your hotel, if you're going to be stuck or contact the airline ahead of anybody else, when it all gets crowded and you can't get in on the phone or get to the counter or, or whatever, this is just simply a, it sounds like it's absolutely beautiful. And the other thing that we had, I had heard about it that I'm not exactly sure how it works. And maybe you can explain is that it seems to be self-populating. You don't have to enter your flight numbers. It goes out and it searches through your phone and your, your emails and finds your flights and, and, and self-populates. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's a huge advantage. Yeah, that's exactly right. Thanks for bringing that up. I kind of always forget that, that there's other ways to do it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so yeah. Sometimes some of the features that are most relevant to you, you sort of say like, yeah, of course it does that. But to new users, it's groundbreaking. A hundred percent. Yeah. To talk about what you were mentioning earlier a second, actually, knowing about cancellations, knowing about delays early, you're totally right that it used to be canceling it on your own, interchanging it on your own. Now what it is, because these cancellations and changes are so kind of easy and quote, free to do, there's a rush. When the alert goes out of the United app, all of those people get it and they're going to find what's the next flight, how do I get on the next flight? And if you have an advantage in getting on the next flight and getting home on time and seeing your kids and not being stuck overnight in Detroit or whatever, it's it's massive. And that actually just happened to me when I was in Singapore on my turnaround flight. The plane landed. I wanted to see the Singapore airport. So I was walking around a little bit while I'm walking around and I couldn't check into my hotel anyway. While I'm walking around, I get a text notice from United saying that my return flight was canceled. Because I was there at the airport, I immediately went over to the counter. They unfortunately couldn't help me at the ticket counter, but they gave mm -hmm. me a telephone because mm -hmm. I didn't have an international calling plan. They called the United Airlines, got me out with a reservationist, and I got a seat. When I was on the phone with a reservationist, they said, you know, if you wanted to fly on United, we'd be happy to accommodate you three days from now because mm -hmm. all the flights were sold out. And the simple fact that I knew about it right then and was able to deal with it was life-changing for me. So I absolutely understand, recognize, see the benefit in doing this for other passengers. Although now, if more people use this, they're going to be jumping in line or at least being in the same place in line with me. So I, I think I'd really rather just keep this as a secret. So I'm the yeah. only user and, and no one else uses it, right? That is, a, <laughs> yeah, that's a tough thing. But there is that certain mentality of like me versus the other people on the plane. And it, it, it's <laughs> disturbing, right? But if I, if I circle back to Micah's question, which I irresponsibly diverted us from. So one thing that we do different right out of the gate is a lot of subscription apps these days require you to start a trial. And then that trial automatically converts you into a paying customer. And with Flighty, we wanted to give you the ability to try it without that automatic conversion. So the, the first flight that everybody takes in the app, you get all the pro features, you get push alerts, you get the automatic ingestion of all of your flights so that you can get started. You get all the automatic assistance. So that's kind of the first thing to know that is, is actually great for explaining on a podcast, very difficult to explain in the app because people just assume it's a trial and it's going to auto convert where everyone's trying to get your money and yada, yada. 
We're users of the app too, and we would want to make it exactly how we would want it to be. So everyone, first flight, get all the features pro for free so they can check everything out. They don't have to sign up for anything. And when that flight's over, all the flights you've imported and everything are still there and you're just on the free plan. And if you want to get those features you previously had that are pro features, you can. And we have a monthly plan. If you're flying for holidays, you can do month to month. And then we have an annual plan. If you're someone who flies kind of year round and you want more of a value kind of discount thing, you can do an annual plan. Well, and you also have a lifetime plan, if I remember correctly which is actually a pretty good bargain if you're going to keep it for a few years. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention that. Thanks, Micah. We, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll leave that out. We can, we'll no, cut no, that you out. Can leave it. No, no, you can leave it. I'm kind of joking. It, it's people love it. It's I think it's expensive and crazy because it's $250, but our annual plan is 50. But people who love flying are all over it. Business friends say I shouldn't do it. Our developer doesn't like that we do it. But enough users say, I want to support the app. I know I'm going to be using this for years and years and years that they're willing to put down a lot of money. at the- Well, but they're basically making a bet that you're going to be in business in year six. That's how you and I think about it. <laughs> I think 80% of people say, I hate subscriptions. I don't want to deal with this. I use this thing on one, two, three, four, five flights. I know it's great. I'm just going to give them money so I can have it forever. It's a, it's a mentality thing. Fair enough. So let's get back to the user experience from start to finish. You load the application. Yep. So let's say you're a new user. Right when you open the application, you get that free flight that you can experience with Pro fully if you want. One of the other key things you need to do right away is get all your flights in. And we have a multitude of different ways to get in your flights. Obviously, one key way is fast search. We've done a lot of optimization for that. Then there's three automatic ways where the flights can just get automatically pulled in. One is calendar. So right there on your device, you know, everyone has their calendar on their device. You can authorize that access. We'll look through any past and future event for something that looks like a flight number and then add that into your Flighty app for you. Usually we can do around 500 flights in 10 seconds. So it's super fast. And all of that processing of looking through your private information stays on your device, never goes to our cloud. So there's no question of do we even store it? Do we keep it encrypted? Doesn't matter because we never even get it. Because I run my calendar a little bit different than others. Does it have to be the, what is it, the ICE file format that comes from the airline's application? Or if I just put in UA hash 188, it'll pick that up and know that that's a flight. It'll pick that up. Yep. Cool. You can import from multiple calendars or just one. So if your wife or partner has a calendar that's their flights, you can ignore that one or you can choose to use that one. And then it'll go through and we'll look for, there's basically three requirements. We need flight number, we need date, and we need to and from. And if we have those, we can definitely find it. And if we have partial matches, we'll do our best to find the partial match. So for example, if you don't know the flight number, but you knew the times, we'll match that. What I would suggest if people want to try this out, it's the fastest way to get all of your upcoming flights in. And then in a second, I can talk about our kind of flight log feature where any of your past flights will combine all those up into a world globe and you can surf and navigate around the globe and then filter down by year and share some kind of cool compilation stats on that. But the other ways you can input flights, we sync with TripIt. You know, a lot of pro flyers use TripIt. So you can press that button and off to the races. And then we can ingest email itineraries. So if you get a new itinerary from United, you forward it to a special flighty email address. One second later, you get a push notification that says four flights to Singapore imported. So it's super easy to get your flights up and running. Kind of from there, a lot of the features kick in. But I guess it's important to note that if you did nothing else, everything else would work. You don't have to open the app. You don't have to later go in and add something. All the kind of magic starts happening from there. So you don't have to manually do anything. We'll help you manage the flights. If you turn it on, we'll put those flights into your calendar for you. And then if the flight time changes or the flight gets canceled, we move the calendar event so that everything's up to date, including for people that you know are trying to schedule meetings, it'll change your free and available time so that that's accurate for when you're on the plane. So then one of the other things that we manage for you is people want to share their flights with people. You know, it's a loved one or a colleague you're meeting. So a lot of these other apps have shared features built in, but you press the share button. All the data that is shared is in a website, not in the app. So the people that are receiving it don't have to get the app. There's no ads on it. All the data is live and it's all the basic flight information that they would need. And if they have Flighty, they press the add button and it goes into their Flighty. If they don't have Flighty, they still get all the live flight information and they can hit view more details if they want to see even extra detail. But that's a really beloved thing is just because it's so, I guess, user-friendly. It's exactly how you would want it to work. The other person doesn't have to download anything. They don't have to look at ads. They don't have to input their email address. 
none of that kind of typical nonsense. You just get the free flight information. And if you want to add it to flighty, you can. And then a couple of them kind of more flight related things as your flight gets nearer. Our kind of most beloved feature that we're most famous for is what we call 25 hour, where's my plane? A lot of services have They'll tell you if your inbound plane is late. We take that out 25 hours. Why 25? Well, it's 24 hours plus one in case you have the same flight from the morning prior. For example, you know, the Sydney to LA, it's the same flight every day. But if the one from the day before is late, the flight is so long, you're going to be late. So we start watching every single flight that your metal, your plane takes 25 hours before you depart. And if there's an issue where mathematically it can't make it to, like my example earlier, Fort Lauderdale in time, we tell you when there's a problem. So you don't have to constantly be hitting refresh. Do the math across the different time zones of, okay, if I arrive in Sydney at this time and it's supposed to depart at that time, is that enough time for the turnaround? Yada, yada, yada. We do all that and tell you, boom, here's an alert. There's going to be an issue or you should keep your eyes peeled. If you don't make up time in the air, it can't make it to you mathematically. One of the other really beloved ones is our connection assistant. So if you have a connection, the second you go wheels down on the first flight, we send you a push alert that says you arrive seven minutes early. You're going to be arriving at Terminal 1, Gate 3. You have 42 minutes to get to Terminal 2, Gate 34. When you land, that's what you're trying to look up. How long do I have? Is the other flight on time? How late am I in? We just send you that alert right away. If you tap into it, it'll go directly to that flight. Yeah. Is there time to go to the restroom? Is there time to stop in the lounge? That's exactly the information I'm looking for. Last week, Apple released the iPhone 14, and a flighty was a part of that. What can you tell us about that? Well, in typical Apple fashion, I can tell you just a little bit. <laughs> we were brought in a little early to go through hypotheticals of, hey, if there was a new iPhone and if it did have a new dynamic island type feature that had live streaming information, what could you do with that? We think that flights are a great place where live data is critical. What could you do with it? So we've designed for what do you do within that tiny amount of space? And then we already have great push notifications. So that was, that made this a lot easier because it updates via the same push notification process. But now we can make really rich live graphical interfaces that come in even faster than push alerts, but aren't as intrusive of ping, 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 ping. Here you're getting updates. We worked with them on that a little bit behind the scenes. They were able to give us some feedback on design stuff, which is always great to get their input on things. They're obviously supreme experts on this. And that's going to be coming out, you know, they haven't actually said, and I don't actually know, uh, we think it's around November-ish where the live activities will be available for, it's actually going to come to all phones, uh, but the 14 Pro is the one that gets the dynamic island version of this. I happen to be on the Apple uh, iPhone 14 website, and it's right there. When you click the replay, you scroll down and there it is. And boy, is that going to be handy. That's just, that's perfect for a traveler uh, that, that does this all the time, because the information is going to flash right up and be in front of you without you even having to look at, well, look at your phone, but not having to click any buttons on it. It's going to be right there. Yeah. And sadly, this makes me want to upgrade my phone. They got you. We got you again. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I've been living with it for about five or six days now, and I think you nailed it. And then one of the other things that you don't really realize, and this has kind of made me appreciate, is we all know you pick up your phone, what do they say, like 250 times a day or something insane like that. Yes, push notifications are awesome. And there is a certain aspect of just tell me when things are going wrong. But when you're using your phone and doing normal other things you need to do, but as a glance, you don't even really have to look something up. The status is just there. It's a really nice reassurance of, yep, on time, no big deal. That's great. Ryan, anything else you want to tell us about Flighty? It's great on the iPad. That's kind of a thing. So, you know, we, we do not have an Android app currently. Most people that fly frequently have iPads. They're just so good for that. If Flighty is also super good on an iPad. You get that really cool, complete globe view. And then, of course, we also have a Mac app. And like you mentioned, all these things sync securely. We actually, one of the things we, we do privacy-wise is you never enter your name or your email address or any sort of account so that we don't even know who you are, even if we did have the information. So we've kind of set ourselves up where we don't have your flight data. It's on your phone. But if we did, it's still random. Like in, in transit, basically, as we send you push alerts, it's still random. And I don't know that it's Brian whose flight it is. So I couldn't put it together if I wanted to. So it's, there's a lot of aspects that we've kind of taken into consideration with the sensitive data of people's flights. Some people are very concerned about their security, and this certainly should alleviate their 
their fears over that. Ryan, so we could really get our listeners engaged. You've generously offered to do something special for them. What have you got up your sleeves? Yeah, absolutely. We always like to get the kind of enthusiast community involved. So if you want to grab the app and then go to the settings section, and then there's there's a part called, there's an area called feedback, and one of them is called say hi. Just say hi, say that you came from the podcast. And then after about a week after it comes out, we'll randomly pick two people to get lifetime pro forever and uh, see who gets the free passes there. Wow, that's incredibly generous. Thank you so much. That's really kind of you. Yep, that is awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here on the Journey is the Reward podcast. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. and It's been fun. Yeah, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. It's a great app. Since that interview, Ryan set us up as beta testers for Flighty, and we've both been using it for quite some time. Now, you've been using it just as a traveler. Uh, have you found anything in particular that you like about it? I really like the push notifications. I'm not sure if I have all the settings correct because I do get a lot of them, and I know that there are settings where I could cut that down, but the quantity of information and the timeliness of the information is really valuable to me. For example, they'll let me know about my arriving aircraft 25 hours in advance, as Ryan talked about, and I really appreciate that because when you're in a place like Singapore, where there's only one flight a day, Knowing that the flight actually took off from San Francisco to get there for your return flight is really important. I also really like the feature that I could share my flight details with a bunch of other people, and they don't need the application. And that's part of what I like about it, because I've been using it as following your friends' flights. Now, I've been following your flights, but more importantly... Wait, does that mean we're friends? I suspect so. You're stuck Okay. <laughs> I had some friends, they needed to fly in an emergency situation from Portland, Maine to Charleston, South Carolina. I worked with them all Sunday evening trying to get them their flights, and we finally got them flights that were going to leave on a Monday afternoon. I had it set up on my flighty app as following friends. The flight that they were supposed to take was supposed to leave at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and they left at 11 o'clock in the morning, get to the airport and be ready. Before they left, they got a notification. The flight was delayed until 5, so they had me start tracking it. And I'm tracking it on Flighty. I got that notification. That flight that was delayed was delayed and delayed and delayed. And eventually, I'm very fortunate because we have friends in high places. And, and I called him up to find out what was going on because they had to make a connection in LaGuardia that was also looking like they might miss it. I gave him a call and he starts looking at things. He reassured me everything was fine. Flighty told me everything was fine. And then a few minutes later, he called me to say the flight was canceled. It hasn't been posted as canceled yet, but it's canceled. But eventually the airline was going to post it as canceled. And as I'm on the phone with him and he's telling me that it's been canceled, Flighty notified me that it was canceled before the airline put out the information. Just like Ryan said in the interview, they get that information as quickly or more quickly than the airlines do and let me know at the same time. And I, I found that out for myself and it worked just beautifully. It's really a valuable feature that they have of getting this notification before everyone else. You could be one step ahead and rebook yourself on another flight and get home to see your family or get to your destination or whatever your goals are of travel. And this really worked out because they were able to arrange things. And again, getting from Portland, Maine to Charleston, South Carolina is not easy. Yeah, and it's nice that Ryan has made two copies of the product available for our listeners. So all they have to do is go into the application and leave a comment that they learned about it through the Journey is the Reward podcast. Ryan's providing two copies of the application for free. And you know what? What I didn't tell Ryan when we were talking to him is that I really like his concept. He's a pusher. You can get flighty and you can use it for free the first time. Mm -hmm. But you're going to want it after that. <laughs> There's still a lot of value in the free version. So even if you don't get the paid version, I think users will still appreciate the free version. And that's really great that they make that available. So Brian, you ended up spending more time with Matt and you got an interview from him. I did. As we traveled around the island on bikes, I had my recorder with me and there are two separate segments and we'll go ahead and play them now. I'm here doing something different. I am with listener Matt. And we have been biking around Singapore and decided to get lunch in the Geelong district. So, Matt, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking me to this super fancy restaurant. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And let's not exaggerate, it's not that super fancy. <laughs> no, it definitely is. Well, I wouldn't even call it a restaurant. It's, it's a food place, but the food is pretty darn incredible. What are we eating? The dish is called Hokkien Mee. 
me being noodles. Okay, so Hokkien is a region in China and it's a culture. And so we're eating essentially seafood noodles. Mm -hmm. And it's quite delicious too. So very happy that you uh, took me to this place. I discovered this place a couple of years ago through a bunch of cycling friends. And it's been kind of one of the pit stops that we usually stop at for breakfast on our rides to reward ourselves from the, uh, for the hard work. Yeah, for the biking around, because it sure is warm here in Singapore. Well, that's the trouble. Unlike the Bay Area or Southern California, the weather gets to be a bit humid. And so we try to start cycling early in the mornings before the sun comes up. And we try to get off the roads just before it gets too hot. So after 10 o'clock, it gets a little warm. and. Yeah, thanks for uh, not having me start early in the morning, right in the heat of the day. But the beer, though, that's pretty good. So we're having a London Pride and a Tui's. So we're sort of representing both Australia and England with the beer today. So nice pairing with uh, with the meal. And I got to thank you for introducing me to both of those beers because I actually have had either. And they actually go quite well with the Hokkien meat. Very good indeed. Earlier, we were riding around uh, Marina Bay, and I found out that it's an awful lot easier riding on your Brompton bike than it is walking. We were able to cover quite a bit of ground and see some of the island that I've never seen before. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty funny because that first trip you were here a couple of weeks ago was a struggle because Google Maps was not my friend. We got lost a few <laughs> times. And by the time we got to where we wanted to be, both you and I were dripping wet. Yeah, I'd say that we weren't, we weren't lost. We were just exploring. That's my definition of what happens when I'm in a city. For some uncanny reason, I know my way around Singapore better on my bike than I do on my feet. And it's only because I've logged so many miles circumnavigating the country over the last nine years. We need to get to a place on the bike, not a problem. We need to get across the street, down three <laughs> blocks, turn left, and I get spun around. Yeah, big problem. Let's just plan on next time you're here, I'll bring the Bromptons out again. As you can see, they're pretty easy to get around on. They're foldable. We can get on the train pretty easy without having to make a big deal about everything. I'm really surprised with these bikes. They're really lightweight. They're easy to handle. They look small with what, 12 inch wheels, but they're really quite comfortable to ride and maneuverable. And I've been impressed so far. And well, we're about 10 miles into the journey at this point and everything's going good. Uh, well, you know what? Your butt will thank me at the end of the trip. <laughs> and uh, they fold up, they weigh about uh, less than 20 pounds. I do some work for a company out of Taiwan. I'm their global brand ambassador, so they sent me a couple of these bikes. And even though I'm a roadie, these folding Bromptons are actually a lot of fun. Yeah, and just to give them a plug, is it Brompton.com or what's their website? Actually, I don't work for Brompton. I work for a company called Joseph Kwozak. That's spelled K-U-O-S-A-C. That's josephkwozak.com. And we manufacture a range of aftermarket wheel sets, handlebars, seat posts, saddles, and chain rings for, especially for Brompton. People like to, if you will, pimp up their Bromptons mm -hmm. with the next best thing. I don't even have a pair of carbon fiber wheels on my road bike, but I got a set on the blue one that I'm riding today and they make a huge difference. Well, let's finish up our lunch, and I think you have a special surprise for me as we make our way across the island over to the Raffles Hotel and the Long Bar, because I think there might be a Singapore sling with my name on it. Well, we've been talking about that, so we're absolutely going to find our way over there, and hopefully it won't be terribly crowded. Yeah, so let's make our way uh, through the rest of this meal and finish up the beer and bike safely over to the Raffles Hotel. Let's do it. Okay, so we've made it over to the Raffles Hotel. We're at the Long Bar. Matt and I went through a bit of a wait to get a table. Fortunately, the maitre d' sat us. We folded up the Brompton bikes and no one here in the bar knows that we have them. They're neatly tucked under the table, which is really cool. We are enjoying a Singapore sling. Drink that slowly, Brian, because Singapore slings are uh, 
$37 a glass and you don't get to keep the glass. Yeah, but the important part is you paid for it. So I'm really, really happy about that. I think we should order another. Last time I checked, Brian, you weren't the kind of person that liked to drink, uh, have drinks with umbrellas in them. But I'll do anything to indulge you because you are my guest here uh, in Singapore. Clearly, we haven't been drinking enough. I'm a huge umbrella drink fan. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, so be it then. Okay, if we end up sitting here all afternoon, that's okay with me. So, Matt, can you tell the listeners a little bit about the Raffles Hotel and the Long Bar? Yeah, sure. The Raffles Hotel is named after a gentleman by the name of Sir Stamford Raffles. He was the original governor of Singapore and was credited with founding Singapore, I want to say, in the late 1700s, early 1800s. The Long Bar is has been well-renowned as being the origin of the Singapore sling which, like other cities, certain establishments are famous for their signature drink. Long Bar in Singapore, the Singapore Sling, the Buena Vista Cafe, Irish Coffee. What's that place in New Orleans? Pat O'Brien's with the Hurricane. Pat O'Brien's with the Hurricane. And then my all-time favorite is the is Harry's Bar in Venice, Italy. And it's known for the Bellini. Ah, uh, a Hemingway drink. So here at the Long Bar, they have the shaker machine. And I really hope that listener Lou could put a video somewhere on Twitter, Instagram, or somewhere over how this shaker machine works. Isn't that cool? So hopefully listener Lou will be able to get those posted up because it actually is a pretty cool machine. You can connect up to, I want to say, six shakers to this Singapore Sling shaker machine. And then I believe each shaker can crank out maybe two probably three slings. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, it's 18 drinks can be made when the machine is full of shakers. So quite an amazing bit of engineering. And it's nice when they let the guests participate in turning the wheel and doing the shaking. So when you're coming back, Brian, we didn't get enough time on this trip to get in enough trouble. So I definitely want to uh, block out some time with you again. Well, the evening's still young, so we could definitely get into more trouble, but I'll be back in November. Who knows what crazy mayhem we'll get into then, assuming your lovely wife will let you out of the house. Uh, Back home, I used to call them kitchen passes or hall passes. Over here, we call it the visa. And so my coupon book is getting a little thin on visas. (laughs) Yeah, Brian's been using them all. Yeah. Yeah, I really think she's thinking we're having an affair or something. Uh, I'm not even going to share with her these podcasts. Um, I'll tell you what, um, I will I will get the visa, okay, for your next November trip. And you're going to be here for a couple of days? Unfortunately, no. It's going to be another quick trip. It's all about the miles. It's not about the, the destination. You should know that by now. Okay, then let's do this. Um, sounds like another over all-nighter for us. So I will plan accordingly, provided I don't get sick between now and when you come out. Yeah, so don't get sick between now and then, but definitely spend some time planning the next trip because I expect to have some fun. You make it sound like you're not having fun every time you come out and spend with me. It's all about setting expectations to make you work harder for it. That's what it's all about. (laughs) You're in sales. Come on, you know this. Your idea of having fun is getting arrested in Singapore, which I can arrange. (laughs) No, no, that definitely is not my idea of fun. However, visiting a few establishments and having a frosty cold malted beverage, yeah, that's my idea of fun. We can do that. It's a plan then. I will uh, plan accordingly. Just send me your dates and I will put the reservation in the visa system here at home (laughs) and see if I can get advance approval. Perfect. Looking forward to seeing you again next month, man. And likewise. Now, remember when I said that I can find a song for almost anything? Uh Uh-huh. Hit it. See, you went to Singapore and you got yourself a boat drink. You went someplace where it was warm. <laughs> uh, your musical knowledge is uh, so impressive. And yeah, you really do have a song for everything. Pretty much. And if I can't find one, then I'll call my Kreplak brother, Eric, like we talked about before, and he'll find it. <laughs> Between the two of you, we have the music covered.
hopefully I'm not going to get into trouble with copyright on any of this stuff, but we'll see. You know, one of the things that I loved hearing you talk about when you were talking with Matt is talking about the beers that went along with the food. You know, he had you had introduced him to the the British beer and then that Australian beer. And I always used to love Australian beers. I used to drink uh, something called uh, I think it was Tooth Sheath Stout that actually had little pieces of of the the malt at the bottom of the uh, at the bottom of the bottle, and I really enjoyed that. And there was another couple of ones, but it reminded me of something my father always said. He said, "When you're drinking beer, always drink local." whatever is local to you. Now, this was in the days when it was all big breweries. So even though we would be in, in Rhode Island, he would drink Narragansett, which mm -hmm. is horrible beer, but it's local. So you always drink the local beer. And these days, it's so much easier to do that. And the beers are so much better. Yeah, but if we did that in Singapore, we would have been drinking Tiger. And quite honestly, from other trips, we had our fill of Tiger. And the fact that they had London Pride from England and Tui's from Australia. I just thought they were they were just two beers that I thought Matt should try. And they paired really nicely with the noodle dish. So it all worked out. Because they're local beers when it comes right down to it. Singapore used to be occupied by the British. Therefore, a British beer is local. And Australia, Singapore, South Pacific, they're local beers. It worked perfect. <laughs> it did. So we have one more interview, and I'm looking forward to hearing this. Can't wait to hear what Scott has to say. Yeah, it's Scott from Scott's Cheap Flights. So it's a service that you can subscribe to and get notifications on discount flights. So if you really don't care what airline you fly to or what destination you're traveling to, but want to spend the least amount of money possible, Scott has a solution for you. So let's listen to that interview. Scott, welcome to The Journey is the Reward. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for having me. In 2013, if I have this right, you founded Scott's Cheap Flights, which really notifies users of great airline deals. Did I get that about right? You did, though. Even at the time in 2013, when I founded Scott's Cheap Flights, I didn't actually know that I was founding this company. Because, <laughs> and the reason why I didn't know it was it was a hobby. It was something I was doing for my friends. And just over time, they told their friends. People found out and signed up. And eventually by 2015, it got large enough where it's time to think about it. Not as so much as a hobby. Is there an actual business? Is there a startup mm -hmm. here? So you did not get the idea or inspiration that from Best Fares magazine? No, it was a very serendipitous founding for how Scott's Cheap Flights began. I was that prototypical college graduate who really wanted to travel, but had almost no money in the bank account. I knew people were somehow getting cheap flights out there, but I had no idea how they were doing it. I was working mm -hmm. at the time as a journalist and really kind of put on my journalist hat to try to figure out how, why is airfare so volatile? How do you put yourself in a position to get good flights? And by 2013, I'd gotten good enough that I was able to then find still to this day, probably the single best deal that I've ever personally gotten in my life, which was nonstop from New York city to Milan for 130 bucks round trip. Wow. Uh, I was aghast at that fair. I couldn't believe it. It was, you know, a yep. nonstop flight on United, check bags, all the works. But when I got back from this trip, all my friends and coworkers kept coming up to me. Hey, Scott, I heard about that great deal you got. Uh, listen, next time you find a deal like that, can you let me know so I can get in on it too? And so rather than trying to remember everybody I was supposed to let know, I decided, why don't I start a simple little email list? I can let everybody know at once. In that moment, Scott's Sheep Flights was born. But again, it was a hobby for the next two years or so until 2015 when I actually started it as a company. And then the way that you make money on this is you, there's a free service and then you actually sell a premium subscription service, correct? That's exactly right. So we don't get any kickbacks from the airlines. We don't get any kickbacks when you book a flight. Our funding comes entirely from members who pay that uh, if they opt to pay for that premium service where you're getting more deals from your home airport, you're getting certain better types of deals, peak season deals, mistake fares like that $130 mm -hmm. flight to Milan, those types of things. But we have that free tier. So folks can kind of kick the tires, try it out for themselves for a little while, see if they find value in it. And if they want, they can upgrade. That sounds great. Now, I have a personal question here for you, because of course I'm doing my project, The Journey is the Reward, and I'm working towards getting my 3 million actual paid lifetime miles with United, which will get me uh, 1K status for the rest of my life, which is kind Excellent. of a cool deal. 
how can Scott's Cheap Flights help out with a really specific requirement that I have? Whereas in order to do this, I need to fly on United aircraft, so United Metal. Do you have an option where people can choose either their origin airport or a carrier of choice? The origin airport, absolutely. So we, the way uh, it sets up is that you can choose not only your, your home airport where you're getting deals from, but you can actually choose a number of different airports. So let's say you live in the New York City region, maybe Newark is your home airport for United, but you might also want to be keeping an eye on cheap flights out of Philadelphia, out of mm -hmm. Boston, out of Hartford, even out of Washington, D.C. Because, you know, when I got that great deal, for instance, from Newark to Milan for 130 bucks round trip, I was actually living in Washington, D.C. at the time, but it was worth it to me to pay that 20 dollar bus fare to get up to New York for right. that deal rather than having to pay the six, seven, eight hundred dollars it would have cost to fly out of DC. So when you sign up for Scott's Street Flights, you get to tell us which airport uh, you want to fly out of and which types of deals do you want? Are you interested mostly in economy or interested in business class? That type of thing. And we'll be able to tell you which, which part of the list, which segment of service is going to be best suited for you. We don't currently kind of filter things by airline per mm -hmm. se, but we do one of the things by uh, value of not getting affiliate fees or not getting kickbacks from airlines is we like to be very upfront with our members about what this deal means to them. And so it's not hiding bag fees. It's not hiding what the airline is or when the dates are because right. our only source of support is from our members. So we want to make sure that we're giving that information uh, as clearly and transparently as possible. And so every deal is going to say what airline this is a part of or what partner airlines it can be booked on when the dates are available and hopefully then be able to take some of those ones, especially those mileage earning fares and those premium economy business class flights that are going to get you to that 1K lifetime mm -hmm. status even quicker. Many of our listeners aren't here in the US. Do you have an international base as well? Can our international uh, listeners partake in Scott's Cheap Flights? So right now, Scott's Cheap Flights just services flights that are departing the US, you know, round, round trip flight obviously included. What we do is that for folks, we're always exploring, you know, is there interest in uh, Scott's Cheap Flights uh, outside the US? And so if you mm -hmm. go to scottscheapflights.com as an international uh, visitor, you'll actually be directed towards a wait list. This will help inform us, hey, where are there a lot of folks who might be interested? You know, maybe it's in Canada, maybe it's in the UK, maybe it's in Australia where we see a lot of demand for this. And that kind of helps right. us try to, to triage and inform where should we be thinking about next? So, you know, not great news for today, but for tomorrow, hoping for better news. And what about small airports? It seems like many of the deals happen out of the larger hub airports. You know, I'm here in Los Angeles at LAX. We talked about Newark, JFK. Seems like there are a lot of deals out of there. But well, for example, our, our main man, Micah, uh, he lives in Portland, Maine. And yeah, he was saying, as, as I was prepping for this interview with you, he was saying that he'd, he'd love to join, but just didn't see the value because flying out of Portland, Maine, there just weren't any deals. So how are you supporting the smaller secondary tertiary airports? Absolutely. Look, I love this question because uh, first off, we support uh, over 180 airports around the U.S. It's not just New York, L.A., and Chicago. It's a, over 180 different ones, as large as JFK, as small as Cody, Wyoming. <laughs> Secondly, while it's true that the Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, they get the highest quantity of deals, I would actually mm -hmm. argue that small airports that we support get the highest quality of deals. Now, here's why. A typical flight from New York to Paris is going to cost maybe $800 round trip. And so when that drops down to, let's say, 400 bucks round trip, you're saving $400. That's great. But a typical flight from Portland, Maine to uh, to Paris might actually cost closer to $1,200. And so yep. when that drops down to $400, you're saving $800 off of that flight. The only way to save $800 off of a typical flight from New York to Paris is if the airline gives you that ticket for free. Exactly. I don't think they're going to be doing that anytime <laughs> soon. And even just you know in the past week, we found flights I just pulled up from Portland, Maine to Venice in Italy for $489 round trip, Portland, Maine to Paris. Paris for 487, Portland Maine to Morocco for 459 round trip, over to Scotland for 421 round trip. So while it's true wow. that the biggest quantity of deals goes to the large cities, there are still a lot to choose from, even from smaller uh, airports like Portland, Maine, or like my home airport growing up of Dayton, Ohio. 
And I'm actually closest to Burbank. So if you have any deals out of Burbank, that would certainly be appealing to me. So I don't have to drive, you deal with LA traffic and drive one, one of the LAX. fastest growing LA airports. I mean, not, a lot of the budget airlines are really kind of honing in on Burbank as their new, uh, as their new hub, both, and especially some of the new Canadian uh, budget airlines that are flying, going to be mm-hmm. flying a lot in and out of Burbank. Very cool. So speaking of deals over the past 12 months, what are some of the best deals that you've seen? Mm, gosh, it's hard to even think over the past 12 months because I could just be citing them from the past 12 days. I mean, gosh, <laughs> just in the past week, this morning, we found, you know, we're recording on February 17th. We found flights from all over uh, the U.S., Tampa, Chicago, Boston, D.C., L.A., San Jose, uh, over to London in the summertime, nonstop for 498 bucks round trip. And, wow. and as I'm sure you're well aware, summer flights are incredibly difficult to find cheap. Yep. It is uh, summer flights to Europe. You almost never see under 800, 900 bucks so to see a nonstop under 500 bucks round trip from so many airports, it was a real steal. Didn't huh, go with the Azores, where there have been flights, in, including summer availability to the Azores, you know, those beautiful, majestic Portuguese islands in the mm-hmm. Atlantic, including summer fares from not only from Boston in New York and Chicago, but from like Allentown, Pennsylvania, from, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, from Birmingham, Alabama, under $450 round trips. Those, those have been a couple wow. of my favorites. I'm always, though, personally on the lookout for great deals to Japan. No, it's one of the, mm-hmm. the perennial favorites. My single favorite deal probably for the past 12 months was when the entire U.S. was on sale to Japan uh, just about 10 months ago or so for $202 round trip. I could not believe that fare. It was a totally unexpected nothing could have prepared us for to 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 know that this was going to happen and when those great deals happen like 202 dollars round trip to japan they tend to last a matter of hours not days and so that's Mm -hmm. why frankly why scott's two plates exist so that folks can find out about those deals before they disappear if you didn't just happen to be searching for flights to japan in that narrow window when they were available you would have missed out on the deal of the year and so that's why we kind of spend all day every day looking for these flights so that our members are able to book them before they disappear. I guess this wouldn't be an interview without mentioning COVID right now. And I think probably part of the reason why the airfares were so incredibly cheap to Japan is because you had to quarantine once you got there. But with COVID, what sort of things have have you seen? How has it affected not so much your business, but airfare pricing in general? I mean, anything beyond these spectacular Japan fares? Yeah. So, well, the good thing about those Japan fares is they were actually available for the next year. And so there are still folks who are sitting on those, hoping that maybe they'll be able to use them later in 2022. Fingers crossed that those borders open. If not, I doubt many people are going to be willing to undergo a quarantine just to take a vacation. You'll be able to either change your dates or just get a a, uh, a refund or travel credit. Travel credit. Yeah. In terms of the impact that we've seen on airfare from the pandemic, the single biggest thing that comes to mind, yeah, airlines have shifted their route networks to fly towards more leisure destinations. Certainly you see just more uh, volume to places like Hawaii and Cancun and Florida. But the single biggest change has actually been a big increase in the availability of last minute cheap flights. You know, last minute cheap flights is frankly something of an oxymoron Mm pre-pandemic. You just didn't really ever see it. And the reason why was that business travelers tended to be the ones booking last minute and airlines knew this. And so they would jack up the price because they didn't care what the the ticket cost. It was their company paying, not them. Nowadays, with business travel still down 50, 60% from where it was pre-pandemic, but leisure travel almost entirely recovered, airlines are realizing that they can't rely on those last minute business travelers to book those seats. So instead, you're actually seeing far more last minute cheap flights now than you had pre-pandemic. Do I think this is going to last for the rest of 2022? Probably not. I think it's going to start to revert to the mean as business travel recovers and as just travel demand in general picks up on the backside of the Omicron wave. But at least for right now, you're still seeing steals in last minute. I was looking for a last minute flight actually today to New York from my home in Portland, Oregon. And you could find flights for 98 bucks each way nonstop from New York City to Portland. Uh, and so just those crazy. types of fares are just not what, I mean, that's a great deal anytime, but to see that on, on, you know, 
with with a one day advanced notice purchase, you you almost never see it. And and so that's something that I think has been in a, something of an, an anomaly during the pandemic that I would not expect to continue. That's really amazing. What about uh, future plans for Scott's Cheap Flights? Is there anything that you could talk about? New services, things that you're adding? Sure. Yeah. Look, a uh, way that we have been operating at Scott's Cheap Flights is trying to increasingly personalize our service. So, you know, look, everybody wants cheap flights to Paris. Everybody wants cheap flights to Hawaii, to Japan. But what if you're somebody who has family in Uganda? What if you're somebody who took a honeymoon decades ago in Paraguay or somewhere that's maybe a little bit off the beaten path? Or what if you're Mm -hmm. a family who can only travel during the summer months or has to travel around the academic calendar? Right now, I'd say, frankly, we're we're certainly finding a lot of deals. We have tons of family members and tons of folks with family in Uganda that have been able to take advantage. But I think we could be doing a lot better job at being able to service everybody's individual, personalized, specific travel desires. Right now, we really focus on those opportunistic deals. We don't know when that, where that next great deal is going to pop up, but we want to try to do more to help folks. Hey, you've got that a wedding coming up in Iceland. You've got no flexibility about where you go or right. when you go. How can we still help you get as good a deal as possible? And so mm-hmm. that's kind of without, without revealing too much about specific features or things we're building, that's the kind of goal that we have in mind to try to be able to serve folks even better. Something like that's just happened to me where my nephew's getting married in uh, Philadelphia in a few months, and I've been looking for airfare specifically around those dates. So your service would definitely be helpful for that as well. Yeah. One of the biggest changes we made during the pandemic actually was before June of 2020, we actually didn't even really send domestic flights. We focused almost exclusively on international. We did long haul domestic Hawaii and Alaska, but Mm -hmm. we figured we only want to focus on the deals that really save folks a ton of money. You know, like that $130 flight to Milan that we're saving six, seven, $800 off normal prices. What changed was a, most folks only wanted to travel domestically to the extent travel existed in 2020 and B realizing that even for folk, when you're traveling domestically, even if you know, you're not going to save that $550 off that, you know, you would with a, a normal, like uh Scottsdale flights deal that we find to Europe or to Asia, you still want to get the best deal possible. When you're mm-hmm. flying to Philadelphia, you still want to make sure you're not overpaying for your flight. And so realizing that uh, uh, was one of the reasons why we, 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 we shifted and started to offer domestic support as well as international. Yeah. And it certainly drives me crazy to find out that my seatmate paid $50 less for uh, less than I did on my flight. Just drives me insane. One of, <laughs> it, like, 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 uh, one of my favorite games to play when in, anytime I'm on a flight, I start to ask people around me, what have they paid to be on there? Because it, A, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to find out. And B, it's, it's, uh, I think it's so eye-opening for so many people to see how many different fares folks paid to be on this exact same place sitting right next to one another. That's not something where there's a uniform price. There's not one specific price that it costs to fly from LA to New York or whatnot. It is the most volatile purchase that we regularly make. And so remembering that and to be patient when flights are expensive, but be uh, uh, you know, prudent and quick when flights are cheap is how you have put yourself in a good position to not pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think probably I just came back from uh, Johannesburg, South Africa. So did a Los Angeles, Johannesburg flight and in business class paid $2,800, which I think was a pretty amazing fare. Yeah, that would Um, normally cost closer to four or $5,000. So well done. Exactly. Yeah. So I I was really happy with that. When I saw the fare just jumped on it right away. And typically I don't fly in business class, but I just figured because of the, the fare itself, it was just worth pampering myself on that. So I, I, I felt pretty good about that one. Oh, absolutely. Look, those long haul flights, you know, it is, it can be tough to get a good deal in business class. And I think folks aren't always the airline airplane geeks aside, aren't necessarily as aware of how much it typically costs to fly those transoceanic business class, you know, lie flat seats. It can be like, like, like not two or three times the price of economy. It can mm-hmm. be five to 10 times the price of economy. And so when all the more reason to make sure you're getting a good deal on those premium seats for long haul travel, because the, if you don't get a good deal, you can really end up uh, breaking the bank paying for business class international seats. Absolutely. And Scott, before I let you go, I have two quick questions for you here. Mm -hmm. One of them is what's your most favorite aircraft to fly on? Gosh, I like, you know, 
I'm a little bit of a wimp when it comes to turbulence. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I, my, some folks might find that surprising. So the bigger the plane, the better. I love my A380. I love my 747. I find that they have far less turbulence in my mind than if I'm flying, you know, a 737, especially something like over the Rockies. Mm -hmm. Or I always seem to have really bad turbulence going to or from Hawaii. So give me those big planes. That's where I feel most comfortable. Okay, so no 737s for you then. Ideally, I, I, <laughs> if I could have my druthers, it would be 777 or higher every time. Okay. And then last question for you is, is there anything that I didn't ask that I should have? Ooh, goodness. Um, where I think travel is headed in 2022, you know, I, one of the things that I love to do is make, make predictions and, and to really kind of hold myself accountable for what those predictions are. And so I made seven, I, I made 17 predictions for 2022. I'm not going to go through all 17 of them because that'd take far more time than we have, but two of them that I'll go through right now. And again, we're recording this in mid February is that one, I think the domestic in-flight mask requirement will be repealed or be allowed to expire no later than June 30th. That is my prediction. Hmm. And the second one is that the negative test requirement to fly back to the U.S. will also be repealed uh, no later than the end of the summer, September 30th. I think that uh, some of those uh, uh, kind of pandemic mandates when it comes to air travel, the biggest differences will start to, to revert. And, and we're going to see a, Trump, a travel summer uh, this year that looks much more like 2019 than the past couple of years have. So then I'm assuming that your going to predict that no airline will ever impose a vaccine mandate. Not in the U.S. Absolutely not. I mean, and I think it's telling that um, any airline in the U.S. is free to do that right now, mm -hmm. and none of them have done it. And that is in contrast to the mask mandate, where before it became a federal mandate in, I believe, January of 2021, basically all the entirety of the U.S. airline industry, uh, you know, in their own uh, by on their own volition, right. required masks on airplanes. And so I think the likelihood of a vaccine mandate to fly in the U.S. is it, the likelihood is almost nil. Um, and, and uh, you know, internationally, I know in, in Australia, there was some talk of it in Qantas. There's certainly still going to be quite a few places where you're going to have to be vaccinated to travel to, or at least to get around a mandatory mm -hmm. quarantine or some other stuff, essentially right. like the easy pass lane that will start to, I would guess, diminish over the next few years. Again, it probably depends on the course of the pandemic, but I would, I would, I would say that for the trajectory is pretty clearly going to be more towards a sense of normalcy than towards one of more uh, restrictions going forward. Yeah. And just my personal opinion on that is I think no airline was willing to do it for fear of losing business to the competition. It either everyone had to do it or mm -hmm. no one would do it. And with the mask, it being a federal requirement to wear a mask on the U.S. aircraft, it, it made it easy for every airline to go along with that, even though the airline started it before the government made it a requirement. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I think I think you're actually going to still see masks pretty commonplace on airline on airplanes for a mm -hmm. long time, especially in the wintertime or especially during if there are other uh, surges or waves coming in the future. I just think the mandate that they be there right. uh, is going to be something that's going to go away sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I think the flight attendants will appreciate that. I was reading something the other day where so far this year, there were 357 incidents involving passengers, flight attendants, and masks. Just Not good. crazy. It's, Not good. That's insane. All right, well, Scott, thank you so much for your time. Where could our listeners find more information about Scott's Cheap Flights? Yeah, just go to our website, scottscheapflights.com. No apostrophes, no dashes or underscores, just scottscheapflights.com. It would be our honor to send you cheap flights out of your home airport. Okay, Scott, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you being on the show. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for having me. After the interview, Scott got back to me and offered a 25% discount to any listener that wants to join his service. So if you go to scottscheapflights.com, enter the code GEEKS, G-E-E-K-S, you'll get a 25% discount. So Scott, thank you so much for offering that discount to our listeners. You know, I've known about Scott's Cheap Flights for a long time, but now I may actually just subscribe. I think you could definitely find some value in that. It'll definitely work for you. It certainly works for me out of Los Angeles. So as soon as I stop flying all these flights on United and become more of a free agent, it's definitely going to provide an awful lot of value in my life.
Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Windows and Isles or Isles and Windows or Bits and Pieces or whatever we decide to call this. I hope everyone found those interviews informative and entertaining. And if they did and they want to support the show, what's the best way to do that? They could go to the donate tab on the journeyistherewarded.org and make a financial contribution. And if you just want to support us for the sake of supporting us, go to your podcast player of choice and give us a five-star review. And if you didn't like the show, don't leave any review at all, but you can write us at I am really offended at yahoo.com. Absolutely can. And we really appreciate hearing from our listeners. We don't have any listener feedback this show, but when we do our next regular show, there's some more feedback. So if you want to hear your voice on the show or have your email read, write to us, send us a voice recording. We will get you on the show. Not a problem. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or get in touch with me, that's the best place. And I am at Maine Fly. That's Maine like the state of Maine, M-A-I-N-E, Fly, let's go flying, F-L-Y, at Mainfly on Twitter. And Listener Lou maintains our social media accounts, and you could follow us on Twitter at T-J-I-T Reward, as in the journey is the reward. And Instagram is Brian Global Traveler, and you can find Brian, well, not really Brian, it's Listener Lou on Facebook at Brian, the journey is the reward. Even though it's not me, I still strongly encourage people to follow us and listen along. I provide the content, Listener Lou does the postings. So no mileage updates for this show because, well, nothing's really happened in between, but we wanted to get an episode out to you. From Portland, Maine, this is your main man, Micah. And this is your Global Traveler, Brian. Fly safely. And we're out. Yay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. I think we didn't, we didn't foul that up too much. No, I don't even know if there's going to be a bloopers for that. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah. We're really failing on our goal of having 30-minute episodes. <laughs>